You are listening to the Balkan Bread Podcast. This is a podcast created to connect diaspora worldwide by sharing each other's stories. Welcome to another episode of the Balkan Bread Podcast. My name is Amina, and this is probably the seventh or eighth or tenth. I'm not really sure. I've kind of lost track of how many episodes we've recorded during quarantine, but it's been super amazing just to talk to some other fellow business owners, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, just people in our community who are doing incredible things. For today's episode, you guys have probably seen this brand before. Super cool stuff. I've shared some of their posts on our stories before, so very excited. They're based out of New York City, and today we have the co-founder and CEO of the company, Balkan Bites, Ariana Malushi. Super excited to have her on the episode. We're going to talk a little bit more about how she started her business as well as just how everything's been going with COVID and things like that. Um, So super excited to have her on the episode. So a welcome. Thank you so much, Amina. I'm so happy to be on your podcast. I love everything you do with Balkan Bread and you know, you're just such an inspiration to us. And I know we were hoping to collaborate in person this year, but I guess this is close enough. Um, So for Everyone out there, uh, my name is Ariana Malushi, and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Balkan Bites. We specialize in making Balkan comfort food, uh, specifically Barek, using all natural ingredients. I'm 30 years old, and I was born to a Croatian mother and an Albanian father in New Jersey. I spent most summers going back to Croatia. So I currently live in New York City with my fiance and we have a commercial kitchen in New Jersey. So I'm back and forth a lot. And uh, we, you know, we were doing a lot of outdoor pop-ups last year with our business selling our baked burek. And this year we are focusing on selling our frozen burek and shipping nationwide. Yes, I saw that and I have to order some because I really want to try it. Um, I was really looking forward to, we were going to do, for those of you listening who aren't in the loop of what was going on, so we were planning on doing a pop-up shop, kind of like a Balkan Bazaar, if you will, in New York. So it was supposed to be us and then Wines of Illyria, which you guys have heard that podcast by now, um, listening. So I was very excited to try it, but I think it's really cool that you guys are making those different business moves, especially during this time with COVID and quarantine. And it's definitely had a big impact just, I think, on a lot of industries, but especially food and people who own restaurants, or even if it's just having these different pop-ups. I know that's been a big factor, but before we get into that, I guess let's just talk about cooking and when this interest kind of first started, like, was this something that you were always passionate about? So I would say I was always passionate about eating, um, (laughs) cooking, (laughs) cooking, not as much, uh, growing up. I was very fortunate to have 
both a mother and father who loved cooking and I had a home cooked meal every night. I guess all of my family loves cooking and are, you know, chefs in their own homes. So I grew up eating, uh, you know, amazing meals, elaborate meals. And I would say in college, I started cooking out of necessity, but it was very simple. And then I started to become interested in cooking after college, just as a way to really connect with my roots and spend time with family and learn family recipes. So I think the first elaborate meal that I made was punyana paprika, my New York apartment, and I didn't even have a countertop or anything. So I was using my coffee table to chop the onions and I had everything um, spread out around the living room. Uh, and since then, I've, I've definitely gotten into cooking. I've had to for work, but also at home. Um, I, I love fermentation. I've learned how to make bread. Uh, you know, I, I try to experiment as much as I can. Pretty busy these days in the kitchen for work. So doesn't leave as much time to cook, but uh, I, I, I do, I do love it. Yeah, absolutely. I like how you mentioned the eating part. That's definitely me before, <laughs> before quarantine. And I think I'm going to try to make um, tufahia this weekend. My friend Zarina, she's so good at baking, just like different desserts yeah. like that. So I'm going to try her recipe. We'll see how it turns out. Um, I've heard I actually saw the YouTube channel make it when I had some time too. Yes, I haven't made it before. It's really good. Um, her mom actually made it for us when I went to go visit her in Michigan, and it was so good. I'm like, how do you guys cook like this? <laughs> like, I'm by no means um, a chef. I like to cook. I don't think I'm the best chef ever, but I think it's fun, and it's something that it's like an experience, like whoever you're cooking with, like you have fun. Like whenever I cook with my mom or my brother, sometimes I'm like, yeah, the food tastes good, but it's just like being right. there with them and cooking is fun. So um, I think that's awesome and very real, you know, the whole chopping onions on the coffee table. Kind of thing. I love that. So was there someone just in particular that really showed you kind of the ins and the outs of Balkan cooking or was it kind of like all of your family in general? It was all of my family, but specifically my aunt, who is my business partner now. She's not only an amazing home cook, but she's also a classically trained pastry chef. So she she really um, exposed me to, to the history of, of the cuisine too, not just the recipes. So she has cookbooks, like 100-year-old old cookbooks, um, from all over the Balkans. And so she's, you know, she's just an amazing resource. And we really started cooking together after my grandmother, Makulia, passed away. Um, I would go, she, my aunt was a pastry chef. She actually was a journalist in Kosovo. But then after there was political unrest, um, she had to immigrate to the U.S. So she no longer had a job there and she had to figure out what to do. So when she came here, she realized she you know loved cooking and it was something that she could do full-time especially without a knowledge of English she couldn't work as a journalist here mm -hmm. so she became a pastry chef and she had her own bakery I even worked for her uh, when I was in high school but she took time after the bakery to take care of my grandmother for almost a decade so my grandmother lived with her and um, after she passed away I wanted to 
spend time with my aunt and, and make sure, you know, she was okay. And also learn recipes that my grandmother used to make. So we spent a lot of weekends cooking and baking and that's, you know, kind of where the inspiration from Balkan Vice came. That's really cool. It's something that was kind of passed down, you know, through generations, which is really cool. It's something that I always kind of think about. Me and my mom were watching, I don't remember the name, it was something on Facebook, like one of those funny videos. Um, and I think it's with an Italian grandma and then her two grandsons, and she's like showing them how to cook certain recipes and things like that. Because it's like, if you don't have the people who were making it, you know, all of these years ago, how do you continue with those traditions and things like that? Like you have to document those stuff, like those different yes. things. So writing them down is great, but I also think having it on video, that was like a cool way to look back on it. So um, that's really cool to hear how it had an influence and something that really kind of brought you guys together, especially after, you know, something like your grandma passing away. Um, I think that's really special too. And that's something that you and your aunt could kind of bond over. So that's awesome. Yeah, it was, you know, it, it was a good way and still is a good way to remember her. And, you know, every time we sit down for a meal, uh, it's, it's a way to think of her. So Absolutely, absolutely. And then just to give our listeners kind of like a time frame, um, yeah. when did you first, I guess, or come up with the idea? Like, how long ago was that? That was in 2017. Um, probably, you know, the the winter that we started baking and cooking together, and just kind of exploring what could be done but we didn't think it could really be a business and then in 2018 one one day we were baking earlier in the year we were baking and making burek and also mantilla and we were saying how it's just so hard to find home cooked tasting burek to buy frozen or even baked that has good ingredients um uses butter extra virgin olive oil unbleached flour we actually went out and bought a bunch of different uh, frozen options and looked at the nutritional label and, and it's all, you know, cut with uh, margarine or soybean oil. And when you bake it, it just didn't taste like it was homemade. So then later in the year, we, we wanted to, you know, see what size we should make. So we spent a few months just kind of playing around with different fillings and different sizes, different shapes. Um, and then later, that year in 2018, we decided to basically just tell our friend, I think I created the website or I'm not even sure if I did. I might've just created a Facebook page and posted basically to friends and family saying, Hey, let, let us cater your holiday parties. So we had some orders from friends and family that holiday season, 2018. Um, and then, you know, we got some great feedback and people started ordering that we didn't know. So we knew we were onto something and that we should really take this seriously, I would say in 2019 and, and go forward with, you know, the size and, and shape and, and the fillings that we had created and expand on those. Yeah, that's awesome. And 
if you guys haven't seen the Burek, it's actually interesting because what you guys do, instead of selling these really big, like massive portions, you're kind of breaking it down, which obviously goes along with the name, Balkan Bites. So I thought that was really interesting because you're still taking that cultural element, but you're not doing it in the most, I guess, traditional way possible compared to like, if you just go to a Balkan restaurant and obviously order Burek or whatever. So I think that's yeah. cool because then that opens you to another market of people, right? Like you're not just selling to people who are from our region. Like it's anybody can try this and it's so kind of small and compact, whereas you can just try little tastes and if you don't like it, you know, that's okay. But it's a lot more like, I know if I want to try something new, if it's kind of like in a smaller portion, I'm just more kind of inclined to try it I'm like oh okay well it's just like a small thing so if I don't like it you know I don't have to eat the entire thing which usually I would eat the entire thing but <laughs> it's just good to know <laughs> that it's not you know something too big so anyway I think that's really cool and definitely kind of opening it up to other people trying it and it sounds like you guys did it really because you loved it and it wasn't something that maybe you thought could turn into a business initially it was something that ended up just kind of turning out that way which happens with a lot of businesses but while you were doing all of this you know you were still working at another job correct like this wasn't a full-time correct job. no i was definitely still working at my day job and did not think this would really be a business i just wanted to share our product with the world. It, it never really occurred to me for a long time that I could do this full time. Yeah. So I guess let's talk about that a little bit because I think that's really interesting, especially if anyone out there listening who maybe has a business idea or is, you know, considering um, pursuing something full time. So just kind of walk us through, I guess, what you were doing, um, you know, while you were still working on Falcon Bites and getting it to where it you wanted it to be, um, to be able to do it full time, because at that point, were you still in the beginning stages of launching it? Or did you have like a good foundation in place to where even if you quit your day job, like you were going to be okay? Like, what was that whole experience like? Yeah, well, it was it was super scary, because I also loved my day jobs. So I worked at a nonprofit, and I did brand partnerships for them. So they had a great mission. I loved the people I worked with. Um, it's called Charity Water. They bring clean drinking water to people in developing countries. And up until that point, I thought that was my dream job. I'd always wanted to work in international development. Um, so I thought, this is it. Um, and I never had an interest in really having my own business. But uh, this kind of just came to us. And I love you know, I love food. I love working with my family. So it was more of a passion project. And on the weekends, my aunt and I started doing outdoor pop-up markets. Um, and so that allowed me to work during the day, during the week at my day job. And at night I would work on, you know, emailing these different pop-ups and working in the kitchen on the weekends, we would go to the markets and also work in the kitchen. And my, I was lucky because because my aunt was able to do it full time. Um, so that allowed me to stay at my day job. But after, after about six months of doing these events, you know, we realized 
this isn't sustainable. And it's not fair to my aunt if I'm not all in either, but it's not sustainable unless we can sell the product more than one day a week. Um, so I made the tough decision to quit my day job and started looking for opportunities where we could sell, not necessarily brick and mortar restaurant, but there are these longer term outdoor markets in New York called urban space, where you set up a kiosk that's a permanent, a permanently there for like four to five weeks. So we did two of those and that was really helpful because it allowed us to sell every day. So, you know, we could pay our bills and also just connect with customers who lived or was, or were visiting Manhattan. Um, and it, it was great marketing, but also uh, a great test for our product to see all of these people who didn't necessarily know where the Balkans were or what Breck was, try it for the first time, love it, and keep buying it. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Especially, it's the coolest thing when you try something new and you don't really know what to expect, and then you try it, and you're usually pleasantly surprised. So... That kind of goes into the next question with the overall reaction when you first started doing these pop-up shops and um, urban markets. So were most people open to trying it or what was kind of like the most general or most common thing people would say if they had never tried Budek before? It, it was hard to get people to try it at first. Um, our banner that we had said, Filado pastry. So people that weren't familiar thought it was sweet instead of savory. So they would make their rounds at these markets and have tacos or empanadas. And then they would come to us at the end saying, oh, I thought, I thought this was a sweet. And we we're like, well, we, we had some baklava and some sweets, but we're like, no, this is a savory, this is a savory item. And um, that was something we there was a great learning for us to call out. We changed our marketing. We made sure it said savory. We changed the word from pastry to pie. Um, but after we tweaked some things, it was a lot better and easier to get people to try the product. And they all, we also started doing sampling. So we would cut it up in small pieces because we knew once they tried it, they would want to buy it. Um, they just didn't know what it was. So it was, it was a good experience for us even for now, um, learning how to just describe Burek for people who don't know what it is and the larger market. Yeah, I mean, that's a great, like, not only marketing lesson, but just like entrepreneurship lesson. You're learning, like, what to you might, you know, look right and be like, oh, yeah, people are going to understand this right away. And then you put yeah. it out there for people and they don't get it. And sometimes, depending on what it is, it can hurt. Wow, I really put a lot of effort into that. People don't, you know, understand the concept or whatever. But if you don't put yourself out there and like try it, like you're never going to know. So in the samples, absolutely. People love Free samples like why do we even oh yeah go to Costco all the time just to get those samples so I think that's that's really smart and yeah that's something that wouldn't have crossed my mind obviously being from there so it's you know of course I know what I'm gonna get but a lot of people they're not familiar with it so that's a really cool lesson and I'm sure you know even though people see all of 
the things that we're posting and, you know, all of our successes and things like that, a lot of people don't really see kind of the day to day and just what happens behind the scenes because there is a lot that happens behind the scenes. Um, things go wrong, like all the time, oh, always. I mean, <laughs> but you kind of have to get over that because if you are so, I don't know what a good word is, like sensitive to it or you're like, one thing goes wrong, oh my God, this whole thing right. Fail. Like, no, you know, it's not like you're fine. It's just one little thing. You pretty much you have to be a problem solver, like to be an entrepreneur. Like, there is no way around it. You just kind of have to approach things a certain way, try to find a solution the best way that you can. And that's kind of what it comes down to. So, what are some challenges that you faced along the way? And what did you learn from each of them? Well, there, yeah, like you said, there are things that go wrong every day. Today, our power went out in the kitchen and like 10 shipments didn't arrive on time. So that's mm -hmm. just today. Yeah, <laughs> I can feel that with the order, yeah. the delays. Love that. <laughs> oh, yeah. UPS is not our friend these days. But I guess in terms of larger challenges, um, when we first decided we wanted to do pop-up markets. We applied to the biggest outdoor pop-up market here in New York. It's called Smorgasburg. There are tens of thousands of people that go every single weekend. A lot of the vendors uh, that sell there end up either having their own restaurant or getting licensing deals and selling at the sports stadiums or just doing a ton of wholesale. Uh, so it's just really good exposure. And we had, you know, our heart set on that. And we did a tasting with their team and they said they loved our product, but it wasn't Instagrammable or theatrical enough. And you know, we really felt strongly about not changing our product and being authentic. So we were super bummed and weren't super familiar with other uh, markets either. So started doing some research and I found a market called the Queens Night Market. And Queens is a borough of New York City and it's the most diverse borough. Um, so we applied for that and ended up getting in and doing it for most of the summer last year. And it was such an amazing experience. There were vendors from, I think, representing over a hundred countries. So we would swap stories and swap food and it just felt like a giant block party. So it was such a better fit for us. And I'm actually thankful that you know, the first opportunity didn't work out because this was so much better for us. Yeah, it just, it wasn't meant to be. That's funny. So wait, you have to basically like apply to be a part of these markets. Like, is that kind of how it works? Because the whole like, yeah, being Instagrammable enough, that's really interesting. People take that into consideration. Of course, they want things that are going to sell, but I just think that's right. funny. <laughs> like, that's a qualification. <laughs> uh, yeah, that didn't even cross my mind. Yeah. So we were like, what can we do? I don't really, I don't know how we could even do that. Um, so I think, I think it worked out. I think mm -hmm. this was the right audience at the Queen's Night Market. Um, it, it was, they made everything also be, I think $6 or under. So we felt okay. good about having an accessible price point. People could try it. They could taste different foods. So, you know, people would, we'd cut it in half. So people would usually share and, that way they get to try other vendors as well. That's awesome. That's a great tactic. Cause when you go to these places, it's like, I'm always like, oh my God, I want to eat everything. You know, I'm going to have to come back. Like there's no way <laughs> that I'm going to be. No, to get you have to go with like five friends. Yeah. <laughs> everything. 
Exactly, exactly. That's cool. And I'm sure, well, now, obviously, very Instagrammable. So the first place was probably like, you know, missed out on this opportunity. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's totally okay. It wasn't meant to be. And it's good that this other market worked out. There's a lot of opportunities in New York City as well, which is great, because I think, you know, in contrast, if you guys were somewhere where wasn't a big city, maybe a smaller town. I don't know if it would have necessarily worked unless there was already a bigger like Balkan population because, you know, would people be so keen to try it like that kind of thing. So definitely yeah. like the right place to market it to, which is interesting. So, um, and then COVID obviously recently has yeah. so many businesses. Um, I've kind of posted about it in relation to Balkan bread. Hopefully by the time that this episode is published, we won't be having all these really crazy delays. Um, it's never been this slow with fulfillment, which is quite frustrating. Um, yeah. Just dealing with that and doing my best to communicate with everyone. I think communication is key. Like if you have your own business, if something is going wrong, you know, don't really try and mask it or hide it like you have to be upfront with your customers and really anybody that is supporting you um because people will definitely kind of understand more if you just explain it to them versus you know oh you know we're just backed up like sorry not sorry kind of thing like you have to right. continue to communicate that's definitely one thing that I've tried to do um but yeah, anyway, I see the next thing that you wrote is just COVID in general. And I mean, it's affected the food industry even more. So how has that been going for your business? Well, so we we thought we would do all of these outdoor markets again this year, uh, but then COVID happened and that was out of the question, especially in New York. Um, they're not even doing them this summer. So we didn't know that initially, but we, you know, we knew the season was later on in the year. So we actually went to a trade show in early March, the weekend before uh, the lockdown happened in New York. So I'm surprised it's still, I'm surprised the trade show still happened with thousands of people, but regardless, we, we did it and it was geared towards food service um, professionals. So owners of restaurants, coffee shops, because we wanted to sell our, our frozen products to coffee shops and restaurants where they could bake it and and people can try it year, year round instead of us just doing these markets and it being seasonal um and it, we got a great response it was very expensive it was a huge investment on our part but we we had some great um conversations and people were super interested and I was all ready to send my follow-up emails and then the lockdown happened and these restaurants got shut down so we, you know, in one week learned that their pop-ups probably aren't happening for a very long time. And these restaurants are shut down for the foreseeable future. So, it was, you know, insensitive to even email them. So I didn't and still need to do a lot of those follow-ups. But it, it, you know, it was a hard two weeks where I was just kind of waiting it out, waiting for news. It looked like things were just getting worse and we just felt like we had no agency and we're very helpless um that I was talking to my family and you know we're like well people are stuck at home and they might want they might be tired of cooking at this point maybe we can just 
sell on Instagram, like frozen bereft for, for them to buy, we'll deliver for free in New York since people are stuck at home. And so that's really how we started. We just post, posted on Instagram and people were DMing us and we started driving around and it was, my parents thought I was pretty crazy just going into these apartment buildings in the middle of quarantine, but um, I just had to get out of the house too and feel like I was doing something. So we we started doing that and then kept getting orders from people we didn't know. And we're like, how did you even hear about us? But very grateful. So we started an online store and then um, that you know was slowly growing. And then the New York Times and the New Yorker wrote about us in the same week. So we went from, you know, a handful of orders a week to over hundreds of orders a week. And it was, it was hard to imagine because we, we kind of did this as a temporary fix, but now we realize this is actually, you know, a business model that we, we could keep doing after, hopefully after everything normalizes whenever that is, but we love the connection to the customer. And sadly, we can't have that with the pop-up markets this year. So this is a great way to still be in touch with everybody and provide that customer service and keep telling our story. So it, in a way it was a blessing because it's allowed us to pivot and it it's actually great for, for staying connected. And hopefully we can still sell to coffee shops and restaurants as they start to open because right now we sell um, four pieces in a bag and four bags are a minimum on our website. So it's it's a little bit of a barrier for people who just want to try one. So we're still trying to get our distribution out and, you know, especially in the tri-state New York area, but around the country, we just want to get our product into as many hands as possible. Almost like marketing it in a way to where it's, well, you know, you can have Buddha night with your family or something like that to where it's, you know, it's not just something for you. Like it's kind of getting more people to try it as well and then that kind of opens up the opportunity for almost this like word of mouth marketing because like I love how you mentioned just driving around and delivering orders because that's a great example of just when there is a time of crisis and you have your own business and you have to think creatively and kind of think outside of the box and pretty much do the opposite almost of what you were initially doing because before it was like, okay, we're going to go to this market. We're going to do this pop-up, you know, people are going to come to us. And then you flip the other side of the coin. It's like, okay, we're actually going to come to people because that's what we have to do. Like there really isn't too much more of an option. I think having it online is absolutely genius, especially for people who don't live in New York and want to try it. And I can imagine now more people are finding out about it who, you know, don't live in the city and want to try it out. So I think that's awesome. And hey, like people will buy, like you would be surprised, like you just try something, you put it out there. You're not really sure what the response is going to be. And all of a sudden people are like, oh my gosh, I need this like right away. And you're like, wait, what? Seriously? Okay. <laughs> like, let me get on that. <laughs> yeah, sure. Let me spend, yeah, 24 hours in the kitchen and make it happen. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. So are you guys, um, I'm just reading now through our notes. So um, trying to partner with other like e-commerce websites um, to where yes. people can order Budek. So is that still in the works or is that already available? 
It's definitely something we're continuing um, to work on. We right now partner with Vulcan Fresh and they allow you to buy just even one bag at a time, but they're currently only delivering in the New York area. So they they experience the same UPS shipping delays that we have and, and they decided, you know, it's, it's really a better idea to wait until things start to normalize before they start shipping nationwide again. So we're still looking for, you know, other partners who would be shipping nationwide and, and can offer less than four bags so people can buy some of their other favorite grocery items along with ours. So that's definitely something that um, in the coming months we'll be working on. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, you just have to keep trying and see if there's a solution for it. And I think it's great just collaborating and helping people out, you know, helping each other out with this whole time and the craziness that is going on. So it, it's cool, though, how it's bringing people together, you know, more than you would imagine. Um, I think I saw you guys, there was one post, um, I think you were delivering Budek to healthcare workers or something like that. Is that what initially, like how, I'm so curious, because like with the New York Times and everything, was there, you know, a lead or a certain person who was like, hey, like, check this out, or did it just happen randomly, or, because that's amazing, like that is so cool. Well, I, I saw that a lot of writers who were writing about restaurants were now writing about how restaurants pivoted. So mm -hmm. I emailed them and I said, you know, if you're working on any more pieces, about pivots and, and how COVID is affecting businesses. This is what's happened to us and this is how we've kind of acclimated and, and they were super responsive and interested and we're so grateful because, it, you know, we tried, we tried some Facebook ads and some other marketing and, and found that, you know, it, it didn't work as much as organic, organic advert, not advertisement, but just, um, content and we're so grateful because it completely has changed our business that's awesome and yeah I, I think so I mean definitely just like from an advertising standpoint and things like those ads and stuff can work don't do Instagram ads because I found that really doesn't do anything Facebook you can definitely find a way around it and if you know like how to target the right people like you'll definitely see some kind of return um, but right. I think what you're saying about just like the organic or just having people posting about it and you know tagging you guys and stuff like that like that's really where that relationship kind of starts to come into play because people are way more likely to try it if their friend or their family member posts about it or recommends it to them versus just going into it blind and you know just trying it out for themselves so I think that's awesome and definitely gave you guys more exposure and I love just finding that creative solution especially in a time of crisis so aside from COVID and just kind of taking that out of the picture a little bit what are yeah. your future plans for expanding Balkan Bites are you guys thinking of doing more pop-up shops across the country or like doing a food truck or like what are your kind of big plans I guess for the future well, um, I think we just really want to get the product in as many hands as possible. Uh, so we're very open and we're small, so we're happy because it allows us to be nimble. Um, but we did design new packaging, so we, we still like having a, a stand-up 
house. It's called so a resealable bag where if you just want to have one, you can make one, but if, and then you can close it up and, you know, save the rest for another time in terms of the frozen product. So we're going to keep, uh, we have new packaging coming out hopefully at the end of July and new flavors. So we're really excited about that. And we're going to keep selling that online and hopefully in stores too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and still, you know, still want to reduce that barrier to, to trying and, and, and allow people to get just one. So still trying to partner with restaurants and coffee shops who will fake it and hopefully say that it's Falcon Bites so people know what they're eating. Um, but if not, that's cool too. As long as, you know, <laughs> we're just, we're, we're just getting people to try it. That still means a lot to us. Um, and, and then if, pop-ups that are allowed in New York, especially for the holidays, um, we would love to do a holiday market. Yeah, I would hope by then that everything is, I mean, nothing is going to be 100% back to normal, but you know, by then, hopefully some things. I hope so. Or, you know, I don't know, some kind of events um, that would be really awesome and really cool. And I hope that we can do something next year. Hopefully yes. This will end and I can finally go yes. to York. I was really looking forward to it. Looking forward to a lot of places because I'm sure everyone else was. I feel like that story is kind of getting old now. It's like, yeah, I want to be here. I want to go on this trip and all of this stuff. But it's almost like, okay, just what can you do now? And how can you make the most yeah. out of the time in quarantine? Because now I'm like starting to pick up on things that maybe I wouldn't have noticed just in the day to day. Um, you know, obviously from transitioning from working at my day job and now doing this full time, like you definitely have, I don't know, you have more time, but you also, it's like still kind of limited in a way and you have to be really creative and smart about how you kind of allocate it, things like that. So I think that's awesome. I think you guys are doing an amazing job in just working on growing and being consistent with it and pushing forward and not letting the whole situation, what's going on in the world kind of stop you guys. So I will have all of your links in the description for our listeners, but if you want to just give a shout out to your Instagram handle and other places that our listeners can find you. Thank you. Yeah, that would be great. It's um, Balkan Bites NYC on Instagram and Facebook. And then our website is balkanbites.co so not.com since that was taken oh gosh really that's surprising yeah you're like who is this person (laughs) trying to start the same business what's going on yeah there's a few balkan bites around not in the u.s but internationally Hmm. that's interesting so that was taken but okay hopefully you can still find us (laughs) Yeah, no, that definitely we'll be able to find you. No problem at all. So you guys can try the amazing Burek and everything that they have to offer. So thank you so much for just being on the podcast and, you know, sharing your story with us. You know, feel free to, we love feedback. So if, you know, you do try it, please message us on Instagram or email us. We'd love to hear your feedback. Um, We're, you know, always open to changing and and new flavors too. We're, we're trying to start doing monthly special flavors, sweet ones. So anything you want to see, let us know. I like that. That's awesome. Very cool. Well, 
Thank you so much, Ariana. And for everyone listening, if you enjoyed today's episode and you're listening on Apple Podcasts, definitely go ahead and write us a little review. It takes like a few seconds. Take a screenshot of it, tag us, post it on Instagram, we'll repost it and share it with everybody. So, and as always, one more thing, if you're interested in being featured on an upcoming episode, all you have to do is send an email to hello at balkanbread.com with the subject line podcast. So thank you guys again for listening and we will talk to you on next week's episode. Bye guys.